Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, a.k.a. Kevin O'Model. Kevin! <laughs> Verno, you got me hungry. I walked in here, heard you on House of Carbs with Joe House. Mmm, sounds good. I want some fried chicken now. We've got to get you trying uh, Gus's Fried Chicken, yeah. which has a location mm. in Los Angeles, I am told. Before we get to anything... Do you know what I'm going to bring up, Kevin? And it's not the NBA. I have no idea. It's that video with that girl from The Bachelor oh, yeah. that you filmed. Oh, what did you think of the video? I've never even noticed that I get the green bubble with you. And she's dead right about that. Yeah. You with your phone and the fact that it comes up green, something that you have gotten away with with me that I haven't even, it didn't even, I don't know, it didn't even register with me. And yet there it was when she was saying that I thought, now this, this is sage advice. For somebody who doesn't know, you filmed the video. What was her name from The Bachelor? Becca Martinez. Becca Martinez. And then in the course of she was giving you tips on your Instagram. And one of the things she brought up during the course of it was what type of phone you had. And she said that this is a big problem that, in fact, if you got a, a girl's Samsung number... Samsung Galaxy S6, to, to be clear. But if you got a girl's number and you texted her, the fact that it would come up green would be an immediate red flag. And I thought, mm. wow. Mm. Wow. I don't know if that's the primary problem, but it could be one of them. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying you got to do everything to help yourself out, Ken. Especially being in, in L.A. now. It's the best advice I think I ever received. Thank you, Becca. Shout out to her. Something I would have never thought of prior <laughs> to, but that was not that, hey, listen, beauty may be on the inside, but you will be immediately disqualified from pretty girls with the green bubble. Mm. That's what I gathered from her. I I just need somebody that also has a Samsung, I suppose. <laughs> That's going to be a light field to pick from, Kev. <laughs> Get with the times, my brother. I don't know, man. I didn't know that on Tinder, they could know if you have a Samsung or an iPhone. Haven't had much luck there either. Oh, really? <laughs> Who doesn't have luck at Tinder? I, I'm going to avoid this. <laughs> what, no, you're not avoiding it now. I will do another Ringer NBA After Dark episode. Man, we need to. And in fact, <laughs> well, listen, for those of you that wondered what happened to last week's episode, the whole damn thing was about Tinder. And so they wouldn't even run it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we brought on everybody from the staff to chat. And we brought on everybody yeah. from the staff. And it was all about Tinder. Uh, last week is the lost tape just in case that anybody wondered what happened. We had some technical difficulties and were unable to post it last week. We do have this week's show, though, and there is some interesting stuff going on. Not the least of which, Kevin, is when we wake up this morning on Tuesday morning, I never in a million years would have fathomed that we would be talking about the Houston Rockets being in first and the Warriors being in second. Those make sense. The three seed in the Western Conference as of this morning is the Portland Trailblazers, who have now won seven in a row and nine of their last ten. And by the way, the four seed is New Orleans. Unbelievable. What is going on? And yet, when you look at the standings, Portland still only has a three-game lead on the Clippers, who are in the nine spot, and a four-game lead over the Jazz in the ten spot. It's right. still that tight. But with Portland, Chris... 
we had something on the ringer.com today about which team in that three to 10 range has the best chance to take down the Rockets or the Warriors. And I chose the Thunder. Haley O'Shaughnessy chose the Blazers. And the Blazers would have been like certainly one of my top two choices. And the reason why is as we saw last night, Damian Lillard can just go off at any time to either bring your team back in a game or keep them in it or to extend the lead. And C.J. McCollum was capable of that, too. He, he's been extraordinary for the Blazers over this stretch. And we did not get a very good, we didn't get a good read on them last year, right? Because of the Nurkic injury. You know, they had, they closed the season rather strong last year, but then he got injured. And so we didn't get to see them at least at full strength in the sense that what they looked like the last 20, 30 games. And then we came into this season and we were like, ah, well, that was probably just a mirage, right? They're pretty good. They're, they're, you know, they're over 500 team, more than likely a playoff team with some outstanding players in their backcourt. But when we thought last year, hey, they've been playing as good a basketball as anyone for the last 30 games of the season, possibly. And then we didn't get to see that version of them in the playoffs. We didn't know if over the course of a full season, if it would all shake out the same way. And then here they are again with 20, right? I guess there's uh they've played 50. I'm sorry, they played 64 games, so they got 18 games left. 18 games left in the season, and, I mean, they're chugging right along. Again, nine of their last ten, seven wins in a row, and they look, much like last year, like there's something to be dealt with. Well, they certainly have, and it's not just Dame, and it's not the, not just C.J. McCollum either. They're getting contributions from other guys. The rookie center, Zach Collins, has, has stepped up in recent weeks after getting off to a slow start to the season. Last night, he didn't do a lot of four fouls in nine minutes, but over the, this win streak and over this kind of last couple of weeks, he's been really good. Shabazz Napier has turned into a competent backup point guard for them. Pat Connaughton continuing to chug along, being a good floor spacer off their bench. They have depth on that team, both in the starting lineup and on the bench. So I think they're the type of team, look, Houston and Golden State are far and away the favorites. But if you are looking for a team that, you know, hey, they get a shot, you know, they could pull it out. Portland's one of those teams. They might not continue this win streak through the end of the season, but... I do think that they are certainly going to be one of those teams that's going to make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. We break ways on this. I mm, don't find okay. them over the course of a seven-game series. I mean, I still think San Antonio, Minnesota, Oklahoma City are teams that I would want to see less. What about with, like, let's say Kawhi comes back in late March. I mean, mm-hmm. how confident can we really feel that he's going to be Kawhi? Same with same with Jimmy Butler on the Wolves. I mean, we can't feel confident about either of those, but I mean, I have to at least project. But you'd still put them ahead of Portland like, in terms of playoff power rankings or whatever. Yes, given what they have been through over the course. Well, and the other thing is, with Minnesota, you're talking about a team that I think can play the different kinds of ways. I do wonder about Portland. See, with the with the best teams, with Houston and Golden State, you're going to have to make them uncomfortable. That's your only chance. If you try to play them in their range, you're dead. You can't be playing them in the 110s, the 115s, something like that. And I do feel like Portland will try to get in those, you know, we're just going to try to match the score with you. I don't know. Their defense is top 10 this year. I understand. That's good. I understand, but I think when they get in those games, you need to be able to drag that game to where low hundreds is going to win it. That's what I think. Hmm. Against Golden State and Houston. 
I don't think that you're going to be able to play high-paced games against those. And I get that their defense is good, but I also think that over the course of, you know, over, over the course of a series, that when those teams figure it out and they get up r- running up and down, like McCollum and McCollum and Lillard want to score too. You know what I mean? Like they're fine with getting up and down. And there may be a couple of games uh, in the course of a series where they're able to do it. I just think you know you look at. You look at when, like, let's just say Houston, right? So Portland played Houston uh, in early December, and they lost 124 to 117, right? Mm, yeah. Right? I mean, that's not, no. they they played them in January, and they lost 121 to 112, right? Like, these are the type of things that cannot take place. That's my opinion, right? You can't be playing them in that range. What you've got to do is try to get those games lower, which is easier said than done, for sure, Right? But like, I don't think that once those once those scores get up there, one twenty four to one seventeen and one twenty one to one twelve, and these kind of scores, I think that I don't know. I'd rather have a Spurs team that is willing to play you uh, and slow that game down, or a Minnesota team that is willing to play you and slow that and, and slow that game down. That's the tough part with those teams, though. The Spurs' best defender, Kawhi Leonard, is out. The, right. the Wolves' best defender, Jimmy Butler, is out. And then Andre Robertson on the Thunder, their best defender is out for the rest of the season. So, I mean, even with those three teams where perhaps on paper, you when healthy, you put them ahead of Portland, they don't have their best guy on defense. So I agree to an extent with what you're saying. Like, you need to have the defense kind of drag the opponent down. But those teams are missing their guys right now. And we don't know. Jimmy Butler, they said out indefinitely. So we don't know when he'll be back. Robertson, we know, is out for the rest of the season. And Kawhi, to be frank, didn't look great earlier in the season when he was back. Well, I'll tell you this. I watched the Spurs last night. You know, I just figured, all right, this is blown out proportion. Yeah, they're three and seven, but, you know, Aldridge has had the ankle thing and whatever else. Not like that has made some kind of, you know, it's interesting that we're bringing up, like, injuries now regarding the Spurs, as if that's ever had some significant impact on their (laughs) success or failure over the course of the years. There was something off with them, though, when I watched them last night. There was something off, and I know that, you know, they had moved to the DeJounte Murray in the starting lineup, and then that's kind of had, I think, you know, it started off pretty well, and then maybe more lately it's had mixed results. Pop pulled him early in the game last night, and then even at the end of the game, it was Tony, in the end, it was still Tony Parker closing things out for them, and that was against a Grizzlies team that had lost 13 in a row, and they <laughs> needed every bit of Tony Parker. Yep. To get that thing done. Obviously, they had blown the lead over the weekend, um, in short form to the, to, to the Lakers. Um, prior to that, they had gotten beat by New Orleans on their home court. I mean, you were talking about, you know, if, if they lose that game to the Grizzlies last night, they're losing three straight home games, which hasn't happened in forever. So I don't know something. It, it might be just be the malaise of the season that it's you know a veteran team and it's getting later in the season and so. But I mean we're gonna get a we're gonna get a good view of them Thursday night. They are playing at Golden State and then at Oklahoma City on Saturday, then right. at Houston on Monday, and then they get another game against all three of those teams over the course of the rest of the season. Two two games against the Wizards. Their schedule's really hard. Well, coming and up. You, listen, Kev, you're talking about with San Antonio. I mean, we said that Portland's right now three, New Orleans is four, but everything's kind of bunched up. You know, they're three and seven in their last ten games, as we mentioned, and we just said they're playing at Golden State. They're playing at Oklahoma City. They're playing at Houston. If you hit a three-game losing streak here, you're in danger of 
being on the outside looking in in this playoff race because right now the Spurs are the five seed. They're two games ahead of the Clippers. They're three games ahead of the Jazz. And then after that Houston game, you got a game against Orlando, but then you get New Orleans, Minnesota, Golden State, Washington, Utah, Milwaukee, Washington, Oklahoma City, Houston, Mm. Los Angeles Clippers, Los Angeles Lakers, Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento, New Orleans. There's a lot of tough games over that stretch for San Antonio. And, I mean, this is something I'll be writing about on Thursday on The Ringer where San Antonio, they've gotten through this before, right? Like, people have said they've been done, right? People said that back in the early 2010s, that San Antonio's done. I mean, they could get out of this, but they're in an interesting spot, Chris. They could be in danger of missing the playoffs. And then with all the stuff with Kawhi, the the age of a lot of the guys on their team, the upcoming free agencies of a bunch of others, they're really at a crossroads right now. And they don't have a lot of young assets on the team aside from DeJounte Murray where the decisions that they make over this coming summer, really over the next 18 months or so, the next two off-seasons, are going to decide the way they look for the next decade. The Kawhi Leonard situation, and especially with the story that came out earlier this week about the negotiations with Brand Jordan, is just like everything about his whole season has been strange. You're talking about a guy that's been in the top, you know, three or four in MVP voting the last couple of years. And then a few years back, won a finals MVP and was considered by everybody to be one of the top five players in the league and possibly the best two way player. And then you have like all the stories have been like negative this year. (laughs) You got the stuff coming out. You got, you know, Popovich obviously goading him by coming out publicly. I don't know if you read that follow up article to that or or no, it wasn't a follow up article. I heard Adrian Wojnarowski say this and he said um, he was giving insight to you. Remember when Popovich came out and said, I don't expect to have him back this year. Yes. He said that press conference was for an audience of one. (laughs) And I was like, oh, boy. So it was what I thought it was, right? Which is we're attempting to send a message. We're going to let the free world know that you're choosing not to play basketball. It's not because you can't. And then you got all this Jordan stuff going on with the brand. I mean, they Uh, just it it feels like they just started promoting him with the Kawhi, though. And like it was just becoming something. And so who knows? There's some there's something There's something real that is there that is going on with him and that franchise that is very hard to figure out, and maybe him personally. It's like we discussed back in January, Chris, when when the news first broke that there was a rift between the Spurs and Kawhi, and we chatted about how you know there were I heard rumblings that that it was because of the injury and how it was being handled. San Antonio felt one way, Kawhi felt one way about it, Kawhi and his circle felt another way, and that turned out to be true. the the other part you know that I heard from the same person at the time was there's there's something you know it's unclear what with with the shoe company or the inner circle and you know him want you know there was the talk about him wanting out and it's like well why and and with the report this week that he wants a twenty million dollar deal in the range of like the top end players maybe the shoe company doesn't want to give that to him and the reason why they want to want to give that is because he's a quiet guy in a small market right where his stardom doesn't transcend the market. Like Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook transcends Oklahoma City. Kawhi Leonard doesn't in San Antonio. So whether Kawhi wants out or not, who knows? I mean, that that's that's impossible to say. And even if he does within this moment, it doesn't mean he would a week from now. You can't ride that wave all the time. 
But the fact is, is there's something weird happening, whether it's with Kawhi or people around him, that maybe they feel like a player of his quality should have a bigger name nationally. I don't know. There's a lot of factors. It's a really weird situation. I'm not sure exactly what's happening, but everything seems to be pointing in the same direction. That's for sure. Yeah, he is also not a big individual highlight guy, right? No. And we can act like this stuff doesn't matter, but just take a week ago, when that James Harden thing happens, everybody sees that. Everybody. Everybody sees that, right? When he drops Wes Johnson and he's staring him down, it (laughs) is unavoidable, Mm -hmm. right? And like you think about guys throughout the league, there's a lot of really outstanding players but like they don't have these viral moments and what and and they're not they're not on house of highlights all the time and whatever else and so while people all respect uh Kawhi Leonard and think he's fantastic in terms of the the big highlights or the things that now gain the most amount of popularity he's not there and the other thing is yes we know less about him than anybody else and he shows less personality than anybody else. And that goes into buying somebody's product. It just does, right? And while we might not have not known everything personally about Michael Jordan, we certainly were able to gather what we thought about him with his flair during the games <laughs> and then, at, you know, the intensity of which he played with. Whereas Kawhi Leonard, like, if you ask people to do imitations of him, like people don't even know what his voice people don't even yeah. know what his voice sounds yeah. like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't even know what his voice sounds like. That's a hard sell, I think. I had an agent say to me, and this is more of a general thing, not not about Kawhi. It was just a general statement. Let me make that clear. He said he's represented a lot of clients in his time and he's and he said what people think of them is not necessarily what they are. And and with Kawhi, like you said, we don't know a lot about him. And that doesn't mean that we can put this person at, we can install this personality. There's a quiet guy that's always about the team and he is right. He, he has been, but that doesn't mean maybe on the inside, he doesn't want to go out there and score 33 points a game because he feels like he's capable. Maybe he wants to be a guy that puts up 22 shots somewhere to see if he can reach another level. Maybe he wants that. Right. And I wouldn't knock him for it if that's what he wants. I hope it happens in San Antonio. I think it would be amazing. It's reminiscent of a guy like Marvin Harrison, right? In the NFL. He put up amazing numbers. Everybody thinks of Marvin Harrison as one of the great receivers ever, right? Mm -hmm. And yet we know nothing. I mean, un- unfortunately, we know about the <laughs> post career. That, that maybe we do know about the, that. Yeah, the, the quiet guy might very well may be the most dangerous. But yeah. that being said, the guy that has the flair or played in a bigger market, you would rather have your product endorsed by, say, Odell Beckham Jr. Whereas Odell Beckham Jr. may not have the career or the seasons that Marvin Harrison had, right? For sure. When you look at the end, <laughs> but there is certainly something different about that when you're talking about a sellable entity. Um, but the whole thing's weird. The whole thing is weird. You know what would be hilarious is if like Kawhi like went to LA and New York and like all of a sudden he would, like was Mr. Personality, <laughs> right? <laughs> he was doing like commercials. Remember when, and- he, remember when he first started having commercials and people were like, oh wow, Kawhi has sponsors. Kawhi has commercials. Nobody <laughs> says that about any other player. They did say it about Kawhi. Wow, Kawhi's in commercials now. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's cool. He's showing his personality. It's like, yeah, he has a personality just like every other human being on planet Earth. <laughs> it, it, we just haven't seen it. For what, I mean, he's a different type of guy, obviously. I think that was kind of apparent prior to the draft. But the it's, fact is, is that it doesn't mean that he might not want other things in his career. That's for sure. 
All right, Kev, we'll get to it right after this. First, a word from our sponsors. March is here, which means one thing. It's bracket time. Yahoo Sports Tourney Pick'em is the best place to fill out your bracket all through the Yahoo Fantasy app. Joining a public group is easy or create a group and play with your friends. Or join Draymond Green's group for a shot at twenty-five grand. Don't know your college hoops? Choose one of the autofill brackets. Pick coaches with the highest winning percentage or party schools or totally rebel and pick the least popular picks. There's no wrong way to fill out your bracket in Yahoo Sports Tourney Pick'em. Don't miss out on March Madness. Get your bracket in before the games tip off on March 15th. Build your own bracket now at yahoo.com slash tourney 2018. The other thing is we got these crazy win streaks going on, Kev, mm-hmm. right? Houston's won 15 in a row. Golden State's won five. Portland's won seven. The Pelicans have won eight. And so with these teams winning... Raptors at, at this, four. Yeah. Well, the team's winning at these excessive rates every single night. Like, if you lose, you could very well be dropping all the way down in the standings. Oh, there's one other win streak, too, Chris. You missed it. Oh, I did? The Grizzlies have a 14-game win streak right How now. How dare you? It's the truth. How dare Every you? loss is a win. It's the truth. You know, I, this makes Adam Silver <laughs> cringe. I pulled up ESPN's like uh, standings page today, and yeah. you know they've got like all their tabs on the NBA. There is a... I had never seen it until this morning. There is a tab on there oh, that says Tank it. Race. <laughs> I see it right now. Yeah. There is literally a tab that says Tank Race. That is amazing. Tank race. I mean, you got damn near a third of the league not putting forth their best effort. It's preposterous. That is funny. You have 22 teams that are attempting to win and jockey for position in the playoffs, (laughs) and then you have eight that just couldn't care less and are actually fighting for the bottom. 64% odds that a top three pick, Chris. You should be feeling really good right now. I should? <laughs> yes, feeling great. <laughs> Unbelievable. Should be on top of the world. Last night's, lo- last night's win for the Grizzlies was remarkable. Listen, I come to my non-excitement honest. Let me just explain okay. this very quickly. <laughs> so about mm, a week ago, I had what would be called the talk with my son. And this is not a talk about sex. I was like, wait a minute. Where are you going with this? <laughs> Actually, frankly, I wish I would have had that talk okay. instead of this one. It would have been easier for me to explain and less crushing <laughs> for him. So we're outside shooting hoops. And he says to me out of nowhere, as kids do, he says, who's the worst basketball player ever? And I immediately <laughs> shot back Hashim the beat. <laughs> And he said, who is that? And I said, he played for the Grizzlies. And he said, he did? I've never heard of him. And then he starts asking questions. I said, yeah, he's a really high draft pick for the Grizzlies. And he was just awful. Just awful. He's not in the NBA anymore, William. That's what I told him. And he said, when was he drafted? And I said, right behind Blake Griffin. He was drafted number two. And he said, he's drafted number two? He said, well, who was drafted behind him? And I was like, James Harden, Steph Curry, Ricky Rubio, Tyreek Evans, and his response was, oh, my God. And I said, yeah, oh, my God. (laughs) And he said, James Harden and Steph Curry could be Grizzlies. And I'm telling you, Kevin, the look of horror slash disgust (laughs) on this child's face. (laughs) And so then go in. Grizzlies are getting beat 60 to 30 by the Boston Celtics in the second quarter. And I then have to have this subject, you know, I can then say, hey, this isn't all bad. You know, they're going to get a high draft pick, but that's a conversation that I can't have 
at that moment because I have just explained to him because the last time that they got a super high pick, they literally took the worst basketball player in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So at least I come by this honest. So I hope everybody out there is rooting for my sake, at least that this is worth it in the end, because I have certainly not only have I been through it where it wasn't worth it, it wasn't close to worth Mm. it. It was the worst possible outcome it is like you know people like like when when they're little they get bit by a huge dog and then for the rest of their life they're spooked by dogs right yeah because they had this horrible thing happen to them that's me (laughs) when it comes to tanking for draft picks i'm the guy that got bit by the huge dog (laughs) right so get the friggin' dog away from me get this tanking away from me i want no part of it when william asks dad who's the worst player to make over 20 million dollars in the nba Oh. What's your answer going to be for that? Oh, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Because you've also been bit by the free agency dog, too. <laughs> I mean, this is... This I just don't is want r- anything anymore. This is really rough. <laughs> let me, let me just, uh, the fact that I don't hate the NBA by now is unbelievable. <laughs> I know. Seriously, all I do is get bit by big dogs. <laughs> Over and over and over again. You've just been mauled by Grizzlies, (laughs) like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, that's what's happened to me. All right. So, hey, we mentioned Portland. Let's touch on a couple of these other things. Portland got their win with a huge fourth quarter, which they needed in order to beat the Lakers, who were on a five-game winning streak before last night. And it really feels like Lonzo has been figuring it out. Certainly, since he has come back from the knee injury, he has been a different player, Kevin. Hell yeah, baby. Looking good. He's looking really good. I I think all the bus talk has quickly faded away. Even last night, even last night, he hit some big shots again. Right. He did hit some big shots again. And he, but the big thing is the threes. Like he is now shooting confidently and putting weirdly. And again, the sample size is so insanely small, but the backcourt with him and Isaiah in it at the same time has worked and has not been ridiculous defensively which is kind of shocking to me. I would not have suspected that Lonzo and, and Isaiah would be a decent pairing together necessarily, right? Yet it has been it has been pretty good when you look at the numbers. It has actually been really good when you look at the numbers. It just depends on how much stock you want to put in it. So you have Isaiah Thomas, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram. Granted, he's going to miss a week with a hip injury. Those three guys can all handle the ball. They can all make plays off the dribble. They can all create for themselves. They all can all create for others. And it looks really good on the court for the Lakers. It's looked great the past past couple of weeks ever since they got IT and Ingram has taken control and Lonzo got back. It's looked really good. What happens when you insert LeBron in Isaiah's place? I'm just saying, it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit. Oh, stop. Remove it IT, who still isn't really that great right now. He's scoring it efficiently. And plug in a superstar. They're, they could be really good really soon. And the reason why is because of the development of Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. Both those guys have looked great the past couple of weeks. Don't you think if LeBron makes it to the finals, he'll stay in Cleveland? I don't know. Why would you come West? Seriously. More to gain. I don't think there is. You're in the finals every friggin' year. You got to win a series. But yes, you're in the finals every year, but you're losing in the finals every year. And like with Michael Jordan, nobody knocks Michael Jordan for the series that he misses the finals, but yeah, everybody but knocks but LeBron when he loses in the finals. Yeah, but that, I everybody don't think knocks that. Tom Brady for losing three Super Bowls. Everybody knocks the person for losing in the big game, but not for not getting there. I don't even think he'd get to the finals in the West. I think he could. I really do. I really do. But your beloved Houston team wouldn't be able to beat him? 
I don't know. I think I think if you add LeBron and let's just say Paul George to oh. uh, another year, another year of development to Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, and then every veteran you didn't say every, Paul George too. Well, <laughs> you said LeBron with all these young guys. Of course, you need more than just LeBron, right? But all the youth on that team, and then every veteran would want to flock there. I don't know if it's not Cleveland. L.A. just feels like a no-brainer to me, to be honest with you. All right. We also need to uh, mention, in the Eastern Conference, it appears as if the eight teams are going to be the eight teams. Now, Milwaukee, which could be a very dangerous eight seed, is is now the eight seed as the standings are today. But again, all of this is all of this is extremely fluid, but there is a big separation. Whereas there are 10 teams fighting for eight spots in the Western conference. It would take, uh, certainly the Pistons or the Hornets would have to start winning big and start winning quickly. Like you're talking winning eight of 10 games in order to get themselves back in the mix to be able to fight for that last playoff spot the way they have both played recently uh, with Detroit losing eight of their last 10 and even worse than that. And the Hornets now losing three games in a row. It does not appear that that would be on the horizon, that they were going to suddenly turn it around and go eight and two over their next 10 games. So the big one is right there on the outside, which is Detroit. And they made the biggest splash, I think it's fair to say, outside of Cleveland, you know, redoing their entire roster. The biggest splash, certainly in terms of name, was the Blake Griffin deal that Detroit made. And in the end, they were, oh, I don't want to say really good, but they were pretty good with Reggie. Like, is it possible that Reggie Jackson is literally that important (laughs) to that team? And sometimes it's not necessarily the quality of the player, but rather the extreme nature of the drop-off, right? So it's not that you don't have Reggie Jackson as much as what you do have in his place, which is, you're right, lifelong journeyman-ish Smith or whoever it may be, having to man that position. Um, But it has been a disaster, and Stan Van Gundy, I think, would certainly be pretty high on the list of guys that, wakes up in the morning and would be worried whether or not they're going to be doing that same job that they're doing next year, right? For sure. No doubt. They they took the ultimate gamble, taking on Blake Griffin with a billion dollars left on his contracts <laughs> and an endless list of injuries. Everybody knew it was a risk when they did it, and maybe it'll work out, but phew, it does not look good. Oh, boy. It does, Hold it on now. Look good. Like, putting this all at the feet of Blake Griffin is not necessarily fair. By the way, of course, it's not, I hate it's with not the fires of seven hells that I've somehow become a Blake Griffin defender. Trust me. I hate it's this. It's not all but, on Blake at all, but he hasn't been good. He just hasn't. He's shooting 29% from three, 45% from two-point range. He, he hasn't been Blake right. Griffin, the superstar in L.A. He's been There's no doubt about Blake that. Griffin, the above-average to good sometimes. I agree. Overpaid guy on Detroit. I agree. That's what he's become, and that's kind of sad in a way. But, but here's what I'll say. So they played a game at Cleveland last night, right? This is their starting lineup. Ish Smith, James Ennis, Reggie Bullock, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond. Off the bench was Eric Moreland, Anthony Tolliver, Stanley Johnson. I mean, what is this? You know what I'm saying? Langston Galloway. Like, if, What are you expecting? I mean, you started Ish Smith, James Ennis, and Reggie Bullock. So forgive me if I'm not necessarily right. Blake Griffin sucks, right? I mean, I get it. Like He's not having a good year, but 
you are some many times a reflection of who you are playing with. And that is because you are going to get who else would you even I mean, give a shit about on that. Like, who are you worried about scoring? Seriously, he is the (laughs) only guy in that starting lineup that you would even care about if you're a defense. What are you worried? You worried? It's It's, rough. Is Smith, Andre Drummond, James Ennis, (laughs) and Reggie Bullock? When you read off the names, it's like, oh wow, the Pistons have 29 wins. They're 29, 35. They sound like a 20 win team. (laughs) When you just read the names out like that, that starting lineup is an outrage. You know what I mean? And to be fair, they're they're missing a couple guys. They're they're missing Reggie Jackson and, and John Lur. <laughs> <laughs> so they're missing a couple of guys. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not sure that would propel them into playoffs, but they're missing a couple of guys. <laughs> I do kind of wonder too if this this is one of the things that stood out to me. If Stan Van is one of the guys that gets you know his head's on the chopping block, right? You are now moving into a era where, and we have seen it happen with general managers and guys that run teams, but also with coaching. And the last of the guys that like, they, they ain't trying to listen to what you got to say, right? They're not, all, all of these, and especially now with so many young owners, they want everybody to be pulling the same rope. They want to, you know, arm in arm, walk out of the room and everybody be on the same page. And then there are the defiant ones, right? Like the Stan Van Gundy, like, let's just let me coach my team. Shut up. Leave me alone. Right. And many times you got to put them as running everything, which they did, which now they're taken away. Same with Doc, right? These old school guys, they don't want it. They don't want a boss. I don't want anybody telling them what to do. Like, leave me alone, man. Let me run this. If you want me, let me run everything. And I wonder if, like, that will signify the end of that, right? I mean, you got these guys that are like, you know, your elder statesmen, like the Popoviches and the Carlisles or whatever else. And Tibbs in Minnesota. Like yeah, and Tibbs. Right, but by the way, runs everything, right? Yep. And I wonder if that is going to be, if we've seen the last of that. Because we have seen now, I, we'll see what happens with the Tibbs stuff, but we have seen uh, Doc Rivers get that title taken away, and we have seen Stan Van Gundy get that title taken away. And so is there ever going to be a time where somebody is now desired so much that they could come in and say, yeah, I'll take your job, but I want to run everything. Budenholzer got his taken away too, right? For Didn't sure. he have yep, that deal? Another one. So we had Doc, Stan, Budenholzer, and that was kind of the deal, right? I'll take your job, but I want to run everything. And I think we're to the point where once the Stan Van stuff goes totally south, we'll probably never see that again. Do you agree? I think it'll become less common. I think you can have it, but you, it needs, I mean, you don't know it's the right guy until you really have him in you know, the building, until he's actually running the show, but... It can be effective. It can work, but you need you need to have a collaborative uh, culture within the front office. There needs to be a lot of voices, and and there needs to be a lot of openness. Um, uh, there needs to be a lot of empowerment uh, of of the lower people, lower level people in the front office to feel like their opinion matters, um, to feel like they're valued. And, and when you have that, I think you have a culture where everybody's willing to speak up, and, and everybody's willing to. Everybody feels like that their voice matters, and when that when you're the the lead guy, whether it's Greg Popovich or Bill Belichick in the NFL, when you have that, I think that's where the best ideas come from. 
Well, and the greatest, I think, the greatest asset to the structure of actually having a front office and then having a coach, and the coach works in conjunction and for the front office, right? He has a boss, is that when things need to change or when roster needs to change, that sometimes like the the best are the guys that can adapt. And I think we have in this particular uh, case this year, we have two great examples of that, Kevin. And those are two what would be considered more of the old school guys in Dwayne Casey and Nate McMillan. And they have altered what they have done for many years and have found great success as they have adapted. And those are great stories, right? Whereas there's nobody to listen to if you're Stan Van Gundy, right? There's nobody to like run stuff by you and say, hey, maybe we should do this or maybe we should do that or maybe we should, right? Like you want to be the guy that can't be told nothing. Where And I look now and I see Dwayne Casey's team is is the number one seed as of this morning. And Nate McMillan's team is the number four seed as of this morning. And both of those guys changed, right? After many years of being head coaches. And I think that's that's the good example of working with management to the benefit of the team. By the way, you know, even with Greg Popovich, he he relinquished his role as general manager back in 2002 to R.C. Mm-hmm. Buford. So he had that role when he first came back to the Spurs right. and then when he was head coach, but he gave it up in 2002. And granted, he still has a powerful voice within the front office. He gave that up to somebody right. else, um, which I think speaks to to his ability to to defer the decision making responsibilities to 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 I guess like I said empowering others within the front office because R C Buford was just the head scout at the time um, right. and he immediately elevated to general manager. All right, Kev, we'll get right back to it. First, a word from Just for Men. For over thirty years, men have trusted Just for Men to provide easy gray care solutions. Now they trust Just for Men to provide hair regrowth solution as well. Formulated with the number one dermatologist recommended ingredient proven to regrow hair, 5% minoxidil. Hair regrowth from Just for Men is an easy-to-use topical solution that's clinically proven to help regrow hair. It works by reactivating hair follicles to stimulate regrowth, perfect for men with thinning hair. Plus, with a unique precision spray applicator, this is hair regrowth made easy. Simple spray in, sit back, move on. Because when you look as good as you feel on the inside, every date night, every meeting, every guy's night out will be something to look forward to. Start winning over thinning. Look for the one or three month supplies of hair regrowth in the shave aisle or visit jfmgrowhair.com and use the promo code regrowth25 to get 25% off your purchase. That's jfmgrowhair.com and use the promo code regrowth25 for 25% off. Three-fourths of the season is done. So there's about, you know, as I said, some of these teams have like 18 games left. Some of them have 22 games left. But there's about a quarter of the season left for virtually every team. Therefore, we will make our quick predictions now on what these year-end awards are going to look like at the end. Uh, the three-quarter season awards, I think that most of these, we are going to be in lockstep and they're going to be pretty easy. The MVP if we have to predict today, would be James Harden. They're the number one seed. His season has been ridiculous. I think somebody tweeted this jokingly, but I don't think it was a small thing. Remember how I was talking about the highlights and, you know, what goes viral and what is on the, was on people's minds all the time. And it might be silly, but it is true that every damn night last season, 
Westbrook was doing something <laughs> yeah, every night. Right. And that was just not the case with Harden. His quote highlights are not highlights that are the things that get retweeted a million times, right? He doesn't have these viral moments all that often, but he did. And he probably had the most viral one of this entire basketball season. <laughs> I, seriously. It was beautiful. It was the first thing I thought about the following morning. <laughs> I think <laughs> that Wes Johnson thing is real. Like, I think that that, the fact that that got passed around so much that that was, so somebody tweeted like, Hey, was that his MVP moment? And I know it was like maybe half joking, but I kind of thought like, you know what? This kind of stuff does matter, right? It is, it is this image of this season, which is him breaking people off and staring them down and just having this dominating season. Um, and the team, frankly, having the best record in the NBA. So we're on. We're on the same page on that, right? I don't even yes. think anybody has a, a great chance at it. Anthony Davis would be the one that yeah, could take he, a run. I think they, he would need to continue playing just outrageously, right. you know, like Wilt Chamberlain and Shaq and Kevin Garnett all at the same time for, for him to have a chance. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Fair it, it's unfair to expect that. This is an interesting one. Coach of the year. I think that if it ends up, if the Raptors keep on and they win, you know. It's Dwayne Casey. It's yeah, got to be. I, I'm with I you. I think so, right? I'm with you. I think it's Dwayne Casey. Yep. Think about this. They have the second best point differential in the NBA. They do. Theirs is 8.6 and the Warriors is 8.5. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. The Raptors have a better point differential than the friggin' Warriors. Even like aside from the results, Casey and that coaching staff revised the team's style of play. Correct. They're moving the ball, shooting more threes. Uh, they, they effectively made that change happen and, and the Raptors have elevated their play and we'll see how it translates in the playoffs. The other thing is, man, you watch them. He so often pulls the right strings with that bench and when to leave them in. Sometimes he'll just let them close games. Yes. Because that bench is really awesome. Good. Yep. Right? Instead of just doing the whole, oh, it's time for me to get my starters back in. If that bench is rocking and I'll be damned if more often than not they are right? He'll just let him roll with it. And sometimes, like I said, close out games. I think he has done a very, very good job, this Dwayne Casey. I, He's pushing the right buttons. Yeah. And I also think it would be a nice honor considering, as you said, you do get credit for altering. You do get credit for changing what you have been. I think that signifies being a great coach. Rookie of the year. Ben Simmons. Yeah, I had thought that Mitchell has a great shot at this. I don't know if they're going to get to the playoffs or not. You know, and if he's the leading scorer on a team that gets to the playoffs, I think, I think Donovan Mitchell can get the award. I still think that. I mean, he's averaging over 20 points a game, right? And he's, he's been fantastic. But if Simmons team is in the playoffs and as of now, like that's the other thing about the Pistons sucking so bad is that now it looks like the eight teams that are in are, are in. So I think I'd have to agree with you. In the end, it's going to be a historic season. The numbers that he puts up as a rookie and his team is going to be a playoff team, which I don't know if that was necessarily a for sure case the last time we talked about it, right? Because I talked about Simmons' team might not make the playoffs and Mitchell's team does. And if Mitchell's team does, winning is valued so much when it comes to these awards and he may get it. But Simmons' team is for sure going to be in the playoffs, I think, right? So Donovan Mitchell doesn't have that over him, is all I'm saying, right? Ben Simmons from day one has just been dominant for a rookie. Yeah, and I, I think that's simple as that, really. Defensive player of the year. This is tough, isn't it? 
I think it is tough. There's been this sentiment that it should be Kevin Durant, which would be cra- unbelievable. I don't mean crazy like stupid. I mean crazy like unbelievable. I've heard some sentiment for Paul George, right? That like some of these superstars have gotten more talk this year. Well, Kawhi's out, obviously, this. and Gobert missed a lot of time. My go-to is always Draymond. Yeah. If you told me pick a defender, he's still the guy I'd take because he, you know, because of how devastating he, he can go out there and guard your point guard on the last possession just as well as he can guard your big guy on the last possession. This is hard, man, because with Paul George, ever since Robertson went out, George hasn't really been elite, elite, elite defensively right. because he's had to play more on the ball. He's not able to to be like a, a free safety. How about, how about that? How about that? How about we just give yeah. it to that guy? Because I swear yeah. to God, they were like yeah. one of the best defensive teams in the world with him, and they are crap without him. It's unbelievable. And then you get some bigs, too. You you got Rudy Gobert. You got Joel Embiid. You got Al Horford. You got Clint Capella. Man, I mean, yeah, I don't know who it is. Like, the guys that I have on my list, Draymond, Kevin Durant, Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, Al Horford, Clint Capella, Paul George. Those are the six guys that I would consider voting for. I, and I don't know who it is. Here's the thing. If he would have played all the games, I think this would be the year that Gobert would get the honor. Problem is, he's played 38 games, Kev. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard, right? He's going to play significantly less games than everybody else. So cross him off the list. Cross yeah, Gobert off because of games played. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Okay. And by the way, Ro- Roberson is third in the NBA in defensive real plus minus, whether or not you want to care about that or not, right? He is on that He is on that list as a guy that has that level of impact defensively. <laughs> and frankly, when I see the impact that it's had on the team when he's been out, I do kind of think he should get it. I think I'm Draymond, right? I mean... Because of the versatility still? Yeah, I think the versatility, I think that just what he brings to the table in terms of being able to guard everything on the court, right? He can uh, he can guard everything on the court. Has he been Draymond, Draymond at his best? Even if he hasn't been, maybe that's still worthy of being Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I think there's some level of fatigue when it comes to Golden State, right? I mean, come on. In what world would we not be talking about Kevin Durant being an MVP candidate? But we didn't, right? Yeah. He should be. He should be. Or Curry. Either one, right? Like, there's just been some Golden State fatigue, which is, you know, that's the way it goes. When They're not the fun new thing. That's what, that's what the Rockets <laughs> are. That's what the Raptors are, right? They're Woody, and these are like Buzz Lightyear. I look at defensive efficiency right now. Number one is Boston. Two, San Antonio. Three, Toronto, four Philly, five Utah, six Golden State. So those are the top six as it stands right now. I think the two guys that don't really get discussed enough for Defensive Player of the Year are Horford and Capella. I think those two guys, they anchor two of the better defenses in the league. The Horford one is a good one. I mean, they're number one in defensive efficiency, right? And it's largely due to Al Horford. I mean, you mentioned the versatility that Draymond has. Horford has that. Uh, Horford's rebounding is fairly weak. And the past couple of weeks, I think his defense has slipped individually a little bit. Hey, he's still really good, but hasn't been top-end guy in that end. So I, I, have, I don't know, man. I, I have a hard time with this. I really do. A defensive player of the year this year is tough. There's no, there's no clear guy that stands out except for, like you said, Robertson. Robertson's absence really yeah. speaks to how much Oklahoma City has fallen off. Yeah, it just wrecked them for yeah. sure. And it made Paul George worse, too. Paul George hasn't been the same without him. That's for sure. And then uh, most improved player, most improved is usually like somebody that's in their second year, right? That just gets a lot more minutes, and so we give it to them. But the answer is Oladipo, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. he got turned in one of the best players in the league, for God's sakes. 
Yep, it's him. It's not even close, right? His like, shooting has fallen off the past couple months, but he's still the guy. Still most improved player of the year. He's been outstanding. Yeah, I mean, everybody destroyed that trade. Everybody thought that that yep. was bad yep. return, <laughs> right, when it, when it came to this. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. First, a word from Black Tux. As a married man, I go to a lot of events where I got to wear a suit or a tuxedo. Everyone wants to look as great as their date at a wedding or a special event. Trouble is, there's no way you want to spend that kind of money or time she did shopping for her outfit. TheBlackTux.com is the answer for high-quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your doorstep. The Black Tux is an easy way to rent suits and tuxedos online. The Black Tux lets you create your look or choose from tons of stylist-selected outfits. Suits usually retail for $1,200, but at Black Tux, they start at just $95. Expert customer care has your back every step of the way, completely done online. With the Black Tux free home try-on, you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before your event. After ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before your event. If anything is less than perfect, the Black Tux will send you a free replacement right away. When your event's over, just drop your rental back in the mail. Shipping is free both ways. To get 20 bucks off your purchase, visit theblacktux.com slash NBA. That's theblacktux.com slash NBA for $20 off your purchase. The Black Tux, premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. All right, it is, last thing, uh, conference championship week for college basketball, and I know that you do draft class every Friday with Jonathan Charks, which, by the way, that last podcast that you guys did begins with the subject of soup in which you let Charks get away with some of the most outrageous stuff I've ever heard. <laughs> a, I'm not a big soup guy. I've never really eaten soup. I'm like, what in the F is going on here? Like, I don't <laughs> What? And then the second thing he said, and he said, isn't that a thing? Ramen noodle soup? Ramen noodle soup? Like, what? Does he do this podcast from Mars? Like, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know. What's up with charts, man? I, I can't wait to talk to him again. And I'm going to be like, what are you talking? I have never, like, for all the draft analyses that you guys do, and I quite enjoy it. Nothing will ever stand out to me more than him saying, I'm not a big soup guy. I never have really eaten soup. And that isn't ramen noodle soup a thing. Like, it was like he didn't even know chicken noodle soup. Like, I don't even know what, I don't even know what's going on. The next time he's in LA or we're all in the same place at the same time, we get to find the best soup in whatever city we're in and we're going there and we're taking it there. Cause my, my theory is for whatever reason, he just hasn't had good soup. Maybe he just never had good soup in his life. It was never a choice he made going out to eat. Maybe family never made soup at home. Here's the thing, Kev. He's not nine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It'd be different if you were talking to a nine-year-old and it's like, hey, try something new. Oh, I've never had soup. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he's been around the world for like he's 30 plus years old. Guy just got married for God's sake. <laughs> I, I swear to God, in all my life, I have never heard anyone say, I've never really gotten into soup. I've never really had soup. <laughs> like of all the food, like you could say, hey, I've never, like if somebody told me like, you know what? I've never even had sushi or I've never had oysters or I've never had, you know, something like that. Right. That is reasonable. What is unreasonable <laughs> is the fact that you've never had soup. <laughs> like that's. Uh, it's like the most universal food. Like, 
Michelangelo like took breaks from the Sistine <laughs> Chapel and ate soup. Like that. <laughs> Never had soup. So I, this is a long way of saying I don't trust any of his draft uh, analysis anymore. <laughs> I can't trust a guy that's never eaten soup. Oh, my God. This is an outrage. <laughs> Who are you most excited to see how they will perform during these big-time conference tournaments that are going on this week? Who would you peg out that you want to make sure to go out of your way to watch them in their conference tournament? I'll give you a couple for the month as a whole. Let me hear it. DeAndre Ayton, the top guy, obviously. I think you know Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN recently bumped him up to number one on his board, and I think okay. it's worth thinking about him. Within that lens, one of the top guys. Um, Charks wrote an article today on Mikhail Bridges from Villanova. He's a guy to watch, a junior prospect, 3 and D style guy. I'm definitely not as high on him as Charks is, but interesting guy. Um, I'll be watching for Daniel Gafford from Arkansas. Uh, I have mixed feelings on him. Interesting player. How about Trayvon Duvall from Duke? Interesting point guard. All right. We have some people within the Ringers' offices who think he's quite underrated, kind of a early second-round pick type of guy. Those are just a handful of names thrown out there. Jalen Brunson, also from Villanova. There's a lot. Go to the ringer.com and read our stuff. Yeah, well, now, as you know, Kevin, like you, it used to be way back when I would go through and I would look at where all these mock drafts have everybody. And what, what I would attempt to do is try to find the small school that had the NBA prospect on it, right? So you could find, say, a a Washington State that had a guy named Clay Thompson, or you could find, what was the little school that Farid went to? Was that Moorhead? He did go to Moorhead. Okay, right. So what you could find over the years was sometimes if you could find those teams that had like an NBA caliber player on the team, then those would be good ones to find upsets for, right? And so... That Moorhead team knocked off Rick Patino's Louisville team. Big upset, right? And then we look up and Kenneth Farid had a good NBA career for sure, even though he's been in witness protection, I think, for the last three. I've, I haven't even heard his name. But this year, there's like nobody on any of these small schools. Nobody. Like they are all piled into all the big schools now, aren't they? Like, I mean, the, there's the Shamit kid on Wichita who I love, but there's just not like the small schools don't have. Guys, I saw there there was one from Boise State, right? Was it Hutchinson? Yes. Okay. Chandler. He's a guy that's draftable or at least projected to be in the first round. But there is no like guy that's at the small school. There is no Damian Lillard. Yeah. Right? That's at Weber State Not or something. Not a lotto guy. Yeah. yeah. Or even first round for that matter, right? I mean, I think Boise was the most random of the schools. You know the guys that kind of are interesting to me? Two guys on one of the biggest name schools that really are... They're not highly touted uh, on Kentucky. Shea Gildas Alexander, their guard, okay. and then Jared Vanderbilt, backup forward. All right. Both those guys are really intriguing to me, even maybe even a little bit more so than Kevin Knox, the guy everybody, you know, rightfully has ranked as a mid to late lottery pick. Right. Shea Gildas Alexander, guard, and then Jared Vanderbilt forward. Those guys are really, really interesting to me. Obviously, both Check outstanding out. high school players and big time recruits, as is everybody that gets a scholarship at Kentucky. Put it this way. Jared Vanderbilt's one of the weirdest players you'll watch. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say anything about him. Just, just just watch Jared Vanderbilt. He's a weird player. Weird player. Hard to figure out, but could be really good in the NBA, I think. Fair enough. Kevin, it's always fun, and I'm glad that we were able to make up for last week. 
Uh, me too. That was fun. I'll have to try out the the Clippers' new sponsor, Bumble, instead of Tinder. Oh, good grief! Have to, have to try that out. <laughs> good luck with Bumble, yeah. Kev, yeah. and uh, switch we'll that phone. Yeah, we'll right. do, Chris. Good, to, right, good chatting. It's gonna do it for another Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>